I was entrepreneurial from a little kid. I remember talking to my mum about like my pricing strategy and she was just like, okay, what the fuck? I had like a, a brand of handbags, which fatefully all fell apart. I don't think I actually made any money in the end after all the refunds. So I say it was fine, it was actually kind of awful. First, let's call it the real business. That was the one where, you know, I went out and learned what a limited company was. What's this fresh bullshit? It's not a case of build it and they will come. We weren't getting to where I wanted it to be. And I was like, okay, well, what if I completely binned off this thing that I've been working on and try to help those people? Friends and family round that can spare us like 10, 15K. The only thing that I do wish that I could have done earlier is... Here we go, we heard it here first. Strategy and tragedy exclusive. Well, I, I actually have to apologise if anyone of your listeners is called Colin. Full disclosure, my next guest is not only an inspirational businesswoman, but also a dear friend of mine. So this is going to make for a bit of a fun episode. Alex Pitt, welcome to the show. Oh my God, hi babe. <laughs> it feels so bizarre to have such a formal introduction. Like we were out for breakfast last week. That we, would have been wonderful as I walked into the restaurant. Could you imagine? Every time we meet up for brunch. <laughs> here she is. I can choose my entrance music next time. That would time. be amazing. We'll wonderful. do that next time. Okay, cool. Glad you're on board. Thanks. <laughs> well, as you can tell, we are good friends. We go way back. So this is going to be a super fun episode. So... Alex, we first met a million years ago. We're not going to count <laughs> how many years at this point. And we first met when you were working as a graphic designer for a fashion brand. That's right. I've known that you've always been super entrepreneurial. So when did the entrepreneurial streak start to come out? Did you have any side hustles at the time while you had the day job, just going right back to the beginning of our friendship? <laughs> I mean, are we going back to the beginning of our friendship or the very first entrepreneurial streak? Because that was when I was about seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow, I mean, I, honestly, it's, it's been in my blood for a long time. So okay. I, the first time that I decided I wanted to start a business, it was when my dad took me to Hobbycraft, oh. bought me a packet of air dry clay, and I made little teddy bears out of them and decided I was going to start a business selling little bears that I made that were like themed on different countries. Oh, it might so be cute. a bit problematic now because there are <laughs> a lot of stereotypes involved. But I decided to call them around the world bears and they all fell apart as soon as I made them. See, so. this is why I need to have you on my podcast because did I did not, not know, know this all of the time we've known each other. That's amazing. So you were like seven at the time. I was seven at the time. I was entrepreneurial from a little kid, apparently. That's so cute. I did this. I, <laughs> I remember talking to my mum in the kitchen about like my pricing strategy <laughs> and she was just like, okay, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I did them. They fell apart. My heart broke. But yeah, I think I've always, always known that I wanted to do my own thing. I think I've always been a little bit difficult to govern, I suppose. <laughs> rebel. Like the, I mean, look at the state of me. The, re <laughs> the rebellious streak, yeah, started from a young age. So I think I always knew that I wanted to be my own boss mm. because that was like, that's like end goal, right? Mm. So knowing that you can like wake up every day and decide what you're going to do, how you're going to, you know, plan your day. That was like true success to me so yeah I had so many hide su hide sussels side hustles throughout the years <laughs> hide sussels hide like sussels that. we'll just call it that from now on see rebellious streak do what I want uh I had in fact this is when you and I knew each other actually yeah I had like a a brand of handbags that I designed mm -hmm. 
which fatefully all fell apart as well because I went to a dodgy factory. So you can see a theme starting to starting to emerge here. <laughs> oh, so you had the teddy bears fall apart. You had the <laughs> handbags fall apart. apart. I mean, yeah. this is the whole ethos, obviously, of strategy and tragedy. We'll get into the highs and the lows and teddy bears breaking apart and handbags <laughs> breaking apart. <laughs> Just can't talk about the teddy bears anymore. It's too raw. I love, well, obviously, we'll get stuck into all of that as well. You've also just reminded me, obviously, with the themes of entrepreneurship and podcasts, you, I think, yeah, I think you actually recommended to me one of actually the first like podcasts that I really got into back in the day called, this is going to unlock a memory for you, TGIM. The TGIM, Shopify, right? That doesn't exist anymore, does yeah, it? Yeah, so sad. I used to love that. Same. I listened to it on my way to my nine to five and I was just like, fuck yeah, this, yeah. fuck everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is taking us back to that era of when we first met, you working as the designer for this fashion brand. And it was when this kind of, you know, things were starting to really bubble away. And yeah. we were both listening to TGIM along with lots of other podcasts. And for anyone who doesn't know, not to plug a non-existent podcast, it's not around anymore, but TGIM was, yeah, all about kind of founder stories. And I remember one about ice cream and... Oh, the gelato right? one. Right? I remember <laughs> that because it was like some weird ASMR stuff and they kept saying gelato in this like really thick voice. And I was like, don't like it. <laughs> don't like it. That was a great podcast though. Right. And things like that, at least for me, they definitely influenced... It opened up my eyes to entrepreneur. Obviously, you had that street from a very young age. You always had that rebellion to you. You wanted to be your own boss. You always had that as the driving force. But I think with some of those other things that started coming out, those podcasts, these other stories, was like, mm, okay, like how can we actually start to make this a reality? So would you say that your handbag business, was that your first more kind of grown-up hide hustle? I think the first yeah I guess so that was like the first let's call it the real business that was the one where you know I went out and learned what a limited company was and learned that I had to get an accountant and someone told me something about taxes and I was like what's well, this fresh bullshit but you know learn <laughs> that actually, they don't teach you at school yeah exactly that you're just like you know the government knows how much money that you owe but you have to guess and if you get it wrong you go to prison <laughs> and it's just like okay cool <laughs> this is the reality of what this is like it's not just go out be brave sell some things and make a profit there's other stuff involved so that oh, was yeah the first real one I'd say I had like you know other little things where I had I think this is actually the second handbag brand because the first one I like bought a load of stuff from China and guess what happened they fell apart it all fell apart <laughs> yeah that was embarrassing because I'd already sold it by the time it fell apart so people came oh. back to me and said you know that bag that you sold me the handles fall off can I have my money back oh I didn't know that was that yeah. under the same brand or did you do no, a whole new this was oh, wow. so this was when I was working at the fashion brand that uh -huh. you and I met at and I wanted to make some extra cash because it was very much, you know, the brand said to me, we have no money. We can't afford mm. you. You know, we can't basically pay you enough money for you to move out of your parents' house. So I was just like, OK, well, I need to make some extra cash. How am I going to do it? And this is the way that I decided to do it. And that I mean, it was so much fun. I don't think I actually made any money in the end after all the <laughs> refunds and shipping costs. <laughs> from China yeah it wasn't a great idea but you know you, I didn't know it at the time I always went out gave it a go waited for everything to fall apart and then tried again but I think you you know don't I'm sure you don't beat yourself up over this anyway but it is a common story you do often hear that story of the the first pancake if you yeah. will in business where you just need to put 
whatever you know into action, you need to apply it into the real world. Actually, because you know, one of my favorite quotes I bang on about is a plan is great until you get punched in the face, right? <laughs> like you need to, as much as you can, you know, do business studies or an MBA or whatever, you can learn or read it books, listen to podcasts, you still need to go out there and put it into the real world. Absolutely. So you learn a lot, obviously, from that first one, which my takeaway from that is quality products, making sure they don't fall apart. Was there anything else that you learned from that first pancake if you will sorry I don't like calling that a pancake to you no absolutely you can call it I mean it would be an absolutely deformed pancake the one that you just throw at the wall in a rage but (laughs) I guess the thing that I learned was that it's not a case of build it and they will come Mm. because it's like the whole thing like when you learn what actual marketing is and it's just like cool I've built this amazing thing and everyone's gonna love it you push it out into the world and it's just like tumbleweed and you're like what the fuck? What's happened? Where is everyone? Where is the queue around my door? And then you realize that you have to put it out. You have to find your ideal clients. You have to do X, Y, and Z. And I have to say, like, even, you know, having had my most recent business for three years now, there's still stuff that I'm learning. There's still books that you can read. But I think that it's very much try, create something, put it out into the world, test it, and then tweak it and put it out again. That's Mm -hmm. the only way to do it. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I see other people make and that I have been very guilty of in the past is what I call procrastinating. planning. Mm. So like procrastinating by sitting in the background and faffing mm. with your website mm. and recreating your products and, you know, spending weeks and weeks and weeks on a brand for a product you don't know if anyone's actually going to want to buy. All of this like background stuff before you just step out and say, okay, I'm just going to put it out and see what happens. Because with all the love in the world, the first pancake is going to be shit. And then you might just look at all this work that you've done and think, oh, well, that didn't work out. And it's like, no, you just first pancake, try again, try again, try again, try, just keep going until it works. I think that will resonate with so many listeners, whether they feel guilty themselves. I think we could, we've all been there where, whether it's perfection or perfectionism, fear of rejection, that, pro- that procrastination gets in the way a lot and it does take bravery to put it out there see how people actually respond in the real world so so that was would you actually interesting you saying about one of the big lessons there of like constantly refining and tweaking I feel like that's spoken about a lot in the tech world with product do you think the same applies obviously coming back from you know fashion and your first businesses was selling handbags so how do do you think that still applies to like physical goods I think it applies to everything like some of the products that I've been selling if you can call them products like service based products you know like um, the process with my most recent business where we would get the kind of background of a client and what their actual company meant and what they wanted people to feel. I built a kind of framework which was rather than sitting and having a very stuffy strategy session we would kind of say okay if your brand were an animal what would it be or you know think of them as a fictional character from a tv show who is it and I put that into a framework and then started asking people these questions that I would consider a product Mm. and at after I tested it a few times, I realized that there were a couple of questions that people gave answers that just meant absolutely nothing. And it was a complete waste of time. So I was like, all right, we're going to bin that off and try something else. But if I'd have just sat there for months and thought, well, I don't know how they're going to respond to this question. What if they laugh at me when I say that? What if they think that I'm unprofessional? You know, overthinking every single thing before you just put it out and see what happens. And I think that there's 
a lot of the reason why that's so difficult for people to do is it's that fear of criticism. Like, what if I put it out there and people tell me that I'm wrong yeah. or that I'm stupid or that I don't know what I'm doing? Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, God, no, hide away. <laughs> and the thing to say to that, and I can say this with a lot of conviction and confidence, is number one, that usually comes from an inner critic that you have in your own mind anyway yep. and second like more than anything I think we're our own worst enemies with that sort of stuff and then secondly if anyone is reacting that way which let's be real like maybe I think it's also very much a reflection of their own egos and that own inner critic that they have in their minds yeah and what you'll see is I think I came across like a quote recently I'm not going to remember it word for word <laughs> but um butchering it as always is um the the people, something around, you know, the people who watch you the most or criticize the most, like funny enough, they're not the ones that are doing so well themselves either. So for example, like I get this a lot with like LinkedIn, for example, like I'm super active on LinkedIn, do super well, but I'm aware that it can also be a bit of a cringe fest. I don't find, I just move on, get, get past it. And the people who talk to me the most about, oh, like fear, they, they last posted like nine months ago, whatever. Yeah. So I think just just bear that in mind as like advice to any listeners as well. Like if that voice is holding you back, it's A, most likely to be mainly an inner critic of yours. And B, it's if anyone else is doing that, they've, they've got their own issues with it. Mm -hmm. So fast forwarding. So you, you started out properly with these handbag kind of more physical kind of product businesses, um, continued your creative career. And then when was it that you went fully into your own business where you packed in the day job and committed to your own company when was this so this was so the way that it happened was I, I don't want to call it like a soft easing into running my own business but I quit my day job about five years ago and I did that to go freelance to be a freelance designer which I did and it was fine you know it was fine I mean it was all of the stress of like not knowing where your paycheck is coming from plus all of the extra stress of working with lots of clients instead of one boss. So I say it was fine. It was actually kind of awful. <laughs> I did that. You did that for a year and a half. And then this is when we went straight slap bang into the Panny D and it was 2020 and I was kind of miserable. And I came across this business coach and I sort of said to her, you know, I've, I, monetarily I did really quite well. Um, so I was bringing, you know, getting the invoices paid but I sort of worked with this business coach and couldn't work out why I wasn't, you know, making hundreds of thousands of pounds doing this job. And she said to me, I remember this session so well, she said, Alex, how committed are you to being the best graphic designer in the world? And I sort of thought about it for a sec and then I was just like, that sounds fucking awful. Why would I want to be the best graphic designer in the world? And she was like, why are you doing it now then? <laughs> And it was just like this moment of, oh, I don't, so I don't have to do that. Right. Okay, cool. Well, now I actually have to think about the rest of my career and what do I really want to do? So then it was kind of like this digging and it was like, well, what about graphic design do you actually enjoy? And it was more the creative direction, but then also the fact that I never wanted to be like a doer, a bum in seat kind of a person. I wanted to be managing and, you know, building and thinking a lot more than I was doing. So then I decided to launch my first grown-up real business, which was Strange, Strange Creative Studio, a design agency. And I called it Strange because, I mean, 
again, look at the state of me. Like it was who I've always been, like this absolute weirdo. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm gonna stop doing what I was doing in the freelance years, which was very much this like, like you say, creating like a, a LinkedIn worthy version of myself, which was very beige. It was like the vanilla ice cream of personal brands. And I was just putting it out there and no one cared. I was going to like these networking events with beautifully designed, very boring business cards that would end up in the bin after people left. Like just no one cared what I was doing and no one, no one talked about me. I didn't inspire anyone. It was all a bit flat. So when I started Strange, I was just like, no, I'm going all in now. And our website was just like the most goth glitchy thing in the world. Like all the pictures of people who had tattoos and... Yeah, I was just like, I'm going to go after, you know, the Dot Martins of the world, the Marshall Amps of the world. And it was just the most fun thing. I had so much fun with Strange. And do you know what? I've just started rambling about Strange. I've forgotten what the question even was. So I hope I'm still on point. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just the beauty of podcasts with friends. You there you go. I just feel on. like we're back at breakfast. <laughs> But no, it was magnificent. It was three years of my life that was, yeah, I, I wouldn't take it back for a second. Yeah, but amazing. like all things, ran its course. We'll, we'll get on to what followed that in a sec. But before we do, there's two main points that I want to come back to on that. I think one really interesting thing there is your point around being vanilla and being flat. And obviously we're both in the branding marketing space. I love that now you're very much, your ethos is based on being your true authentic self. So if you can talk a bit more to, you know, the importance of that, I just feel like authenticity is such a buzzword. So if you can talk a bit more about how authenticity genuinely helps your business. Um, and then I wanted to come on to the business coach thing as well. So I'll just park that for a minute and we'll come back <laughs> onto that. <laughs> this is, it's making me laugh because this is exactly how we do like just normal chats between us as well. It's like, right, we're going to come back onto that. It's like we're doing like a little itinerary of we're probably it's not going to so see much. each other for a few months because we're always busy. So let's just get through everything. <laughs> but no, so what was the first one? I've already the distracted all- myself. <laughs> I've already distracted yourself. <laughs> Magpie brain, The sorry. authenticity. So you the say about vanilla brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how that connects. Why, why is that so important to have such, you know, building your maverick business, being such a rebel, being your true self? Why is that important? So the reason that it's so important, I think, is because there is so much noise on every single social media platform. Like, no one needs to be told that. There's just a lot out there. And if you, like, as a lot of us do, sit and doom scroll through LinkedIn for any length of time... It's just like the best quote I've ever heard about LinkedIn in particular is from a peer of mine who said that it reads like a country music song. <laughs> like, my wife left me, my dog dies. This, oh, you just think, oh, fuck, this is so boring. Or it's really, really, really boring. Like, here are the KPIs for running a da 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 business. You just like, I just want to jump off the top of this building. This is the most <laughs> boring thing I've ever read in my life. And that's just the reality of what t- LinkedIn is like. It's so much of the same. Unless you follow me, guys. <laughs> oh, yes, obviously. That goes without saying. Present company excluded. <laughs> but I, when I, you know, started Strange, I started putting things out there. All I would do was talk about what I am interested in or like what the business was doing And I would talk about it like I'm talking to you now, you know, or like I was sat in a pub with a pint of neck oil chatting to my mate about what I do for a living. That version was absolute gold dust because people are doom scrolling and then they see this like goth sweary 
girl talking about pints. And they're like, oh, thank God for that. Something refreshing and something new and interesting. And it just cuts through everything. So the word authenticity itself has suddenly gotten lost in this like sea of sameness mm -hmm. online. But all it really means is showing up to work as you would show up to anything else. I love how you mentioned even with like copywriting, because I feel like, you know, again, your your day job professional career, at least before, was you know creative, graphic design, very visual. And I feel like we can so often overlook what we sound like in brand as well. We've done a lot of work on like tone of voice, what do you actually sound like? And it is funny, you know, you're describing that LinkedIn newsfeed and I feel like we can all imagine. It's just, it's like chat GPT. We're all sounding, we're all sounding the same. Yeah. It's that classic, like formulaic, the same tone of voice. Whereas if you just write how you would speak normally, what you would actually say, as you say, it's so refreshing. That was the key, that was exactly what I was thinking when you were describing that. Refreshing is the key word. And I would actually throw out there as well, I think where business is so tough and we'll get into, we'll reopen old wounds and stuff in a second as well. Where business is so tough, that authenticity as well, I think helps get you through those dark days, those tougher moments, because it's, you know, I guess it's that passion that brings you through. And then the other, so the other thing as well, before I forget, is <laughs> I was gonna talk to you about the whole business coach thing as well, because we've both worked with business coaches. And I feel like we both come from the same perspective of, I don't know about you, I used to think that it was a bit pyramid schemey. Oh, really? I, I always thought it was a bit woo-woo. Yeah. Like not, not very tangible, not very real. You wouldn't see any results. You might just like I, have a bit more of a skip in your step. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that worth it? <laughs> I just think maybe it was that time as well when Panny D hit, as you describe, where it felt like every Tom, Dick and Harry like was a coach. And I just feel like there were a lot of wheeler dealers and people that would kind of, you know, maybe wrap the wall over your eyes and stuff. But, but we both found amazing coaches that helped us with your business. And that anecdote that you just shared, one of, one of the huge valuable things that I found working with a coach is simply being asked those questions that we've never asked ourselves. Mm. So what you just described there, what was the question again from your coach? How committed are you to being the best graphic designer in the world? Like, had you ever asked yourself that question before? No, like it never even crossed your mind. No. And it was ask, it was confronting you with that and making you realize, oh, actually, maybe not. Mm. <laughs> what were some of the other benefits that you found of working with a coach, how did it help you in your business? Like so many, I literally, I'm just trying to go through like a Rolodex in my brain of all of the ways that coaching has helped me. And it's not even just working one-on-one -on -one with a coach. It was actually like talking about podcasts that we introduced each other to. You sent me Unfuck Your Brain by Cara Lowenthal, which was my first introduction into what coaching was. And that blew my mind. <laughs> like the idea that your brain is a muscle that can be retrained just like anything else. I think the thing, like just to, as a kind of overview into how much it's helped me, what I didn't realize was that our brains are malleable, but also how much we hold ourselves back without realizing it and draw up these kind of, we, we think there's a brick wall when there's just like a little bit of a, you know, a mound that we need to step over. Mm. And so there's this really quite, I wouldn't say easy, but a lot more of a straightforward path to success, but we convince ourselves that there's just like no way through. 
but it's just you've told yourself that you can't do this thing that you can't possibly put yourself out there that you're not able to like I remember saying to you once yeah but I'm just a bit shit at marketing and you were like well yeah you are if you tell yourself you are Mm. and I was like damn this girl with the wisdom (laughs) (laughs) but it's stuff like that right it's just like the idea of being able to retrain your brain and if you hit a wall not thinking well this is just as good as it's going to get or this is just because I'm not good at it it's what am I telling myself and I think like one of the biggest biggest things that it's helped me with is around money mindset because I when I was freelancing there were some things which I would charge like 500 quid for and be like living on ramen noodles and like not able to pay my rent because I would write down how long it was going to take me, how much this was actually worth for me to like provide this service. I'd look at the figure and I'd want to vom on my shoes. And I was just like, absolutely not. Let's just halve that and then halve it again. And then, wow, you know, it was because I, I attached so much worth to that figure. And I was like, no, if I try and charge that much, they're going to think that I'm greedy or that I'm taking the mick and all of these things. Whereas it just wasn't true. Like it was just my relationship with money that was really, really not healthy so interesting I mean we all know that the stuff we tell ourselves is so powerful but applying that specifically to this money mindset topic which I'm so happy you brought up because it's such an interesting one to get stuck into is I'm glad that you thank you for sharing some of those things that went through your mind when you put those high prices because it could be anything right we can tell us but you the voice in your head that was saying they'll think I'm greedy or whatever else is so interesting. Quick fun fact. Did you know that the annual spend on outsourcing and hiring agencies is $900 billion? This year alone. That's why I'm so proud to collaborate with 50pros.com, a new and fast growing platform that connects highly vetted agencies with companies looking for their next marketing partner. If you've ever had to source your own agency before, then you'll know unless you've had a good referral, it can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack. That's why with 50pros.com, they provide you with a curated, vetted, no-noise directory of only the top 50 firms within 50 categories. Head to the link in the show notes, 50pros.com, and I really hope this helps you get it right with your next marketing partner. All right, let's get back to the show. I think with pricing as well, it's it, like there's so many different ways to slice that that cake. Um, so how so how did you overcome like the money mindset? And like I know for you that this go, kind of goes way back as well from like your upbringing. And so let's kind of share, share a little bit more about that and and yeah. then kind of how you came over some of those limiting beliefs. I mean, exactly like you say, like it's no matter what your relationship is with money, everyone's comes back to their upbringing and the sort of stories that they were told by your parents, or your guardians, or just anyone. And I think especially like this is going deep now, but I was raised Catholic and there is a lot of shit in the Bible about rich people. Like they are all going to hell apparently. And it's just, I had this idea that like being very wealthy meant you were very greedy. That, you know, if you had too much, it was immoral. Like you were literally going to go to hell if you had too much money. Uh, Like all of these things. But then also all this stuff that you hear from your parents, like money doesn't grow on trees, like it all adds up. And all of these things that tell you that money is really scarce, Mm. that there isn't enough to go around. And so whenever it comes to pricing something, it's not just, okay, it's going to take me X amount of time. Or I think the value of this product is X. You think... 
oh my God, they're going to think that people are going to think a certain way about me. I feel a certain way about myself because of that number on a page. Mm. And I remember one of the best quotes that I heard about money in general is money is maths, not drama. Ah, That's I've it. I've across that one. Oh, I love that one. Oh, cool. So that was like, I think just taking the drama away from it and like seeing that. it as currency and a commodity. Because if you look like realistically, money was a replacement for back in the day when you would trade some goats for some wheat. And everything got a bit complicated because how do, like how do you weigh it all up? Like, shall we just bin this off and have a universal currency? That's all it is. It's not moral. It's not you know. It's not evil. It's not good. It's not anything. It's so interesting. Even my mind. I know we always go deep, but like my mind just go. You know, you know me. I cannot help myself. I'm such a geek. Like, I go <laughs> to some of that like that philosophy. Like what we apply to it. As you, as you say, you break it down. It's so simple. I love, I love that you've broken it down in that way. The money's mass. It's not drama, but like all the emotion, all the connotations, the reputation, like all of this stuff that we put on it, overlaid onto this thing. And what I would hazard a guess at is that where it's so uncomfortable, this discomfort kind of comes up. I, I would imagine that, like you know, until working with a coach you wouldn't have gone any further with, like you wouldn't have even sat with that discomfort. You wouldn't have even maybe fully acknowledged it, right? Like it's just like, oh, it's messy, uncomfortable. Oh, I'll just do this and, you know, shut my eyes and think, cross my fingers and hope for the best kind of thing, right? Mm. So is that true? Did your coach kind of help you work through some of those money mindset limiting beliefs? I think she kick-started it, definitely. She kind of, she saw the way that I was freaking out when I would show up to... Um, to our sessions after I decided that I was going to start strange because suddenly you're not doing like, you know, a few hundred quid's worth of work. I was putting together packages, which were like five figures. And I like everything about it just made me so uncomfortable mm. and feel like such a fraud as well. And I would say like, I can't possibly charge that much money. And she would say to me, why not? Like, you know what you're doing. You've got the experience. You understand the theory. Like, can you help them? And that was the most important thing that I think she drilled into me was, can you help them? And are they willing to pay it? And that's all it is. It's not, I'm cheating people. I'm being greedy. I'm like getting too big for my boots. It's just, this is, this is how much this service costs. That's it. And I think she sort of sent me and you're also not holding a gun to anyone's head either, right? Exactly. It's, I'm not extorting that money. They can choose to pay me it or they can just leave. <laughs> you know, they can, they can switch off Zoom. That's the end of it. But she definitely sent me down a route of looking into this because I realized that that was like my Achilles heel. Like, mm. That was where I tripped myself up the most. I was massively undercharging. I was really busy all the time and I was very poor, which drained my energy, which stopped me from growing my business. So then I went off and discovered... Denise Duffield Thomas, who still to this day is just one of my favorite people to consume all of her content. Good old DDT. Good old DDT, which is hilarious because like for anyone who doesn't know who she is, just go and have a quick look at her Instagram and she is just like the antithesis of everything that I am. <laughs> She's sunny and like light blue and seashells and blonde hair and starts all of her videos with, hey gorgeous. And I'm just here like, yeah, I love it. Woo. <laughs> so, <laughs> but all of her messaging is amazing. It's just like, you know, you deserve to make as much money as you want to make. It doesn't make you greedy. It doesn't make you evil. It doesn't make you immoral. It just means that you can actually enjoy your life. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Mm. So yeah, I've, I've binged everything she's ever done. But I found myself now in this place and it's been a journey of like, 
like four or five years to get this far. Right. So please don't think that I've just like, oh yeah, well, I learned that money is actually quite wonderful and right. now I'm here. <laughs> it's been a journey. I'm so, so happy that you say that as well because that's also been something that's been on my mind just because coincidentally, like massive coincidence, I have been announcing publicly a string of all these different amazing things within the space of like a week or two, which is just, again, massive coincidence. And it's really played on my mind how I'm very aware of how those things can look on social media and the picture that you paint to the outside world, obviously more on the marketing side of things. And I do want to remind people exactly as you say, like, Overnight success takes a thousand nights. We didn't just wake up and click our fingers. And whether it is like overcoming those limiting beliefs, readjusting your money mindset, uh, tangible achievements, like it takes time and it takes, I think it takes longer. It always takes longer than you want it to. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right? And I'm an impatient cow as well. So it takes <laughs> even longer than I want it to. <laughs> so for you, I'm really glad that you shared some of those really practical like recommendations as well. So like, uh, what was her name? Denise Duffield Thomas. That's I'm right. DDT. So her Instagram, did she write a book as well? She famous for the book. She wrote, a, she wrote, the original book was called Lucky Bitch. Right. And then she did a follow-up book called Get Rich Lucky Bitch, which is the one that I read. Okay. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> so we've got her Instagram, her book, working, if you can find a great coach. Was there anything, obviously it's taking you time as well. Was, was it just kind of that repetition, being exposed to those sort of mantras and things that helped you to readjust? It was, and I think also, obviously it's all about mindset and adjusting your mindset, but I think having the attitude going into it, I always think of it like, if you imagine you've got a really, really sore back and you go to a masseuse, you have to really go for the knots. So you can't just like do a bit of mindset work and be like, mm, no, I feel lovely now. You have to really look at the worst kind of, you know, the habits, the stories that you're telling yourself, all the bits that make you a bit uncomfortable when you go at them, those are the things that are going to propel you forward. And for me, it was the money stuff because every time I looked at figures on a page, I just wanted to cry and like hide under my duvet. And now it's like got me to the point where, you know, I went from wanting to throw up about 500 quid to like doing my first 10K months in a business. And like to only have a few years in between those two things. This is what I mean about being very impatient. I was just like, oh, I'm going to read every book. I'm going to listen to every podcast and I'm going to smash this shit out of the park. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you so much. Well done. I'm so happy for you. And um, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, you also just, I feel like we're both like such like quote obsessives. I just love these like... <laughs> <laughs> sorry if any listeners are just sick of all these like cliche quotes and stuff but you also made me think of like the only how is it I always as much as I love them I always butcher them <laughs> why do I put myself <laughs> in this position but it's something around like well the you have to what was it you have to go through what no what was it grow grow through what you go through oh I like that one I love a rhyme <laughs> Grow through what you go through. Well, that's it. You have to like get through that, work through those knots, go through that discomfort, look at the spreadsheet, <laughs> get to grips with the numbers. And it's not going to be nice the first time, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you will, you will get. You just, you have to grow through what you go through. <laughs> nice. I'm going to remember that one. I love that. I love that. Okay. Amazing. So we're warming up and getting to another super interesting chapter in your entrepreneurial journey that made you not only question whether or not you want to be the best graphic designer in the world but actually your whole identity 
around being creative, being a designer. So share with us listeners your epiphany that you had quite recently and how you've completely changed up what you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, this one is even just a little bit harder to talk about because I'm still in it at the moment. I'm still right at the beginning of this new new little chapter of mine. But yeah, so I've been running Strange for a few years and it had sort of ticked along. It was obviously like this amazing start and I was having such a good time. And then it kind of plateaued and it wasn't growing. It wasn't getting to more people. We weren't taking on more clients. We weren't getting to where I wanted it to be. And as per with everything up until this point, I wasn't immediately thinking, well, we need to do more marketing. We need to do this, that and the other. I was just like, I know what I'm doing on all those fronts and I'm putting myself out there to an extent, but I don't think that I'm doing everything that I can to grow this business. So why is that? Mm. And that's when I had to have like, you know, long, hard look in the mirror, a bit of like a taxi driver moment of just like, what the, what are you doing? Why isn't this business growing? <laughs> and uh, I had this one call with a client and they, up until this point, you know, they, they had always been lovely. They hadn't done anything to upset me. It hadn't been like a, a complicated relationship or anything. And I got in this call with them, having sort of had radio silence from them for a few weeks. And we just delivered a website design. And this guy came on the call and he said to me, okay, cool. So yeah, let's just chat this through. I mean, obviously, you know that we really don't like anything that we've seen. And I was a bit like, okay, like not, you know, it's not the first time that I've had a client say we want to go in a different direction. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, talk me through what sort of, how do we want to change this? And he said, well, we're, we're going after investors and this is too fun. So can you make it more corporate? And I was just like, oh, yeah, that, there's the problem. This is I'm suddenly doing the complete opposite of what I wanted Strange to be because I went through like all of the mission and values kind of assessment that you do when you first start out. And I came up with this idea and it wasn't just for, for the company, it was for myself that I wanted to help the underdogs, the mavericks, the renegades of the business world to carve out their place. And I was like, oh, you're not it. Like these very, to be perfectly honest, quite privileged people who already had everything in their arsenal that they needed to build successful businesses. And while they were perfectly nice, that wasn't who I should have been helping. So yeah, it was like a real, like you say, an epiphany and a wake up call. And I was like, I've been doing the wrong thing to try and get to the right kind of why, you know, mm. the mission was right. The way I was going about it was wrong. Mm. So I realized that I shouldn't have been running a design agency because the only people who could afford those services weren't the kind of people that I needed to help. It was the people who hadn't started a business yet or they were just starting out and they were really confused and lost and they just wanted to make some more money to like you know hang out with their kids more at the weekend instead of working all hours mm. or people who had a dream of starting their own business but every single bit of information that they consumed was just full of jargon and really confused them or it's that really sort of sickly sweet girl boss so she slays kind of thing <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, what if I completely binned off this thing that I've been working on for the last three years and tried to help those people? And so that's what I did. And it still makes me feel a little bit sick saying that out loud. <laughs> so I'm just going to take this. It's good. It's a knot. I'm just going to take this like here. really profitable <laughs> business and just throw that out into the ocean and start again. 
And so that's where I am. And I started my own podcast and I go on every week for 10, 15 minutes and I swear my tits off, as you've noticed, <laughs> as you know What's about it me What's from very years. It, it is one. called Build Your Maverick Business. Quick look to camera. Build Your Maverick <laughs> Business. And it's obviously right at the beginning of this new little chapter, but I am working on a book. I'm working on courses, on memberships, on everything that I can to do as many low ticket things as I can to help out those people who are just trying to get their their rebel empire off the ground, if you like. It's exciting. Thank you. I'm excited for you. That's you the just... first time I've said this publicly, by the way. Here we go, we heard it here first. Strategy <laughs> and tragedy exclusive. We loved it, you heard it here You're first. <laughs> I love that. And that, you know, definitely resonates with, again, the ethos of even just like this podcast too. The reality is, is that building, running a business, is so hard, it's so difficult, and it has been so overly glamorized. And not only that, but to your point on privilege, which is so interesting, is again, what you see on social media is one picture that's painted. You don't know the realities of, there may be privilege behind the closed doors there, there may be well-off parents. I think it's funny as well on the whole investment front where, um, you know, you've got the labels of like pre-seed, seed, series A, series B, you go on. The early stage, one of the really early stage rounds is called friends and family round. And I remember hearing somebody on a panel actually say like, what the hell? Like we don't all have rich friends and family that can spare us like 10, 15K to go out and test and like live out our dreams because we want to be our own boss. So I love what you're doing. There's definitely a huge gap in the market. There's definitely a huge audience there for that. So watch this space and see what what else comes of this. Build your maverick business. Amazing, amazing. Thank you. Who do you look up to in terms of entrepreneurs, if any? Are there any that really inspire you? Oh, I'll tell you one person. I'll tell you one person. <laughs> you glad I you. asked this question. <laughs> I, <ooh. laughs> Do you know what? It's anyone who I see out there who is really being themselves and not trying to paint any kind of picture or be, you know, that, you that veneered right it, version of it. And there's one person who I think anyone who likes the cut of my jit will know who this is. And it's Sophia Hilton. Oh, I've not heard of her. She is, she owns a salon and she has a business course. She is just like, if you follow her on Instagram, she's very, she just, she's just like a sort of version of me basically. Oh, cool. So I'm just like, I just love her. But yeah, she's got, I think 300,000 followers, like huge following. And she talks very candidly about what it's like to run a business. Like uh-huh. just as an example, she put a post up the other day that was just like, stop telling me that I'm like inconsiderate or selfish if I don't reply to your DM there's 300,000 of you and there's one of me so fuck off and I was like yes queen <laughs> I'm surprised I've not heard of her should I have oh do you know what go and follow her I'm, after this this is immediately on my to-do there list you now <laughs> you are welcome <laughs> amazing we haven't really covered all I mean we covered a little bit of like broken handbags at the start but obviously strategy and tragedy the highs the lows I believe that some of the best lessons come from the biggest mistakes can you share any like anything that's kind of gone wrong for you that's really kind of taught you a a big lesson so when it comes to making big mistakes like I think you know all of them because we've been <laughs> friends for that many years but I've lived through them with you. You've lived through them with me. You've had me Been call you up sobbing down the phone like, this client is such a bastard. Oh, so horrible. And you question why. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Like, literally, why? Like, it would be so easy. In those moments, sorry, because you've just taken me back to, like, those phone calls. Like, <laughs> honestly. Like, how easy is it? 
in those moments where you're like, to just have a job, like, you know what you're getting, you were saying before about going into, sorry, I'm like stalling until you, you were going back to your question, but um, you, you're going back to, you know, your early days of freelancing, you don't know where that first paycheck is going to come from, and you've got that anxiety, as well as trying to do a good job, as well as market yourself, and, you know, if you take a holiday, you're missing out from it, everything else, and you're just like, and you think back, because we have both had normal jobs, mm. and you think back to like, oh, the cushy comfort of going to someone's office, you've got your holidays allocated, you know, what you're gonna get paid at the end of every month. Yeah, Easy. and the monotony, and the going to work <laughs> in the dark, and coming home in the dark. And then you remember and that side of it. Jeff from HR <laughs> coming over to chat to you about, because you've taken one too many holidays, or you came in 10 minutes late. I actually did. Okay, I'm stalling my own answer now, but um, I did a podcast episode recently called Choose Your Hard. And it was just around, like, the example that I used is that I, I've been trying to do, like, couch to 10K. Fucking hell, that's a lot. But I went out and did my first run, and it was awful. And I just, like, wanted to collapse in a pile on the concrete. And then a few days later, I realised that, like, walking home with my shopping was getting a little bit easier. So it's like, yeah, running out and, like, doing exercise is hard. But then not being able to breathe when you're coming back from Sainsbury's is also hard. So, like, pick your poison uh, kind of thing. I love that. Sorry, I just realised... <laughs> this is my brain. Oh. 10k is in 10 kilometers not thousands of pounds <laughs> if they had an app that was nothing to oh this is yeah. what I thought. edit that out that's mine <laughs> at first i was like oh cash to 10 that's pounds an interest in my mind. yeah and then you an said we're running idea. i'm like oh 10 kilometers okay we're good you are such a true entrepreneur but i do love you <laughs> money money Cap Miss capricorn here but no, yeah, I love that actually. We're like, yeah, choose your hard. So this is it, mm. like going, we both know that going and mm. starting your own business is really difficult and you are going to have those moments where you have to call someone and say everything is terrible. And and it feels horrible, by the way, as well. Awful. I just want to like really try, like you're just like, what the hell? Like whether it is imposter syndrome or whatever, like we're, I'm just I'm just taken back to those memories of being on the phone with you. Like, why, why am I doing? Why? Yeah, why are we doing this? Is this really worth it? And like, especially in a service-based, like client-facing business as well, you recounted a little bit of that Zoom call where they weren't happy with the work. And obviously if it's your work, you take it so even more personally and stuff as well. And mm. those, those client interactions for me, even just talking about it now, like it gives me that bellyache. Like yeah, that for me absolutely. is the worst, the yeah. worst. Like it's horrible. Um, and you're just like, I hate this. I just want to end this all. I just want to like panic and run away from it. Yeah. But then, yeah, but then you remember, you're like, well, yeah, choose your heart. The thing is, I think for me, and sorry, we're going off on a tangent. <laughs> we're still stalling to get onto your proper answer. But I think you d depending on different listeners' journey into entrepreneurship, I know that you've got like the classic... 16 year old dropout from school that's never had a real job that's always sold something and you know the traditional path was never for them but where you and I we've both again had those normal jobs we've both had that comfort of having the paycheck at the end of the month and going into an office and all and you know what your job is you do it you clock in you clock out and so for me at least I don't know for you but I wonder whether like during those really dark days and those horrible moments it's it's easy, you know what it's like to have that safety and that comfort to be like, oh, shall I just, yeah, shall I just get back onto the interview treadmill again? Shall I just like, oh, 
I, I mean, this, I think back to it every now and then. And I remember what it felt like to go to that job every day. And I would spend every day wishing that I could be where I am now. So Maybe. as much as it's horrible, I think it's like you get the extreme highs and the extreme lows running your own thing. Whereas working nine to five, it's kind of either monotony or shit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get like the thrill of making your first sale. You don't get like, the you know, when you hit that monetary goal and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. The it's thing is though, I did get that. I did, um, I, I just, sorry, you just made me remember the first job that I worked at where we first met. I remember landing uh, the first client for the business, um, which is actually, oh my God, sorry, this is more for us than any listeners here. Um, this is full circle. So I don't know if you know this, the very first client that I won for this agency was mywardrobe.com. For any Piss. listeners. Oh, that's a throwback. Throw, TBT, throwback. For any listeners who are into like fashion, if you've heard of like Netta Porter, this might be a throwback for you as well. Mywardrobe.com, now no longer around. That's how that's how we're connected because my client there went on to be your boss yep. at the next company. And sorry, yes, this has gone around a little bit of a tangent for me, but I remember landing that first client and the adrenaline rush that I got was so, you just saying about there not really being kind of the highs and lows like with a job, that was a real high for me. And I literally, I was just so excited. I kid you not, and you know me well enough to know, I'm like not exaggerating in the slightest here. I had to run out the door of the building and I genuinely had to like do a lap and sprint <laughs> around the building, around the block, like genuinely. I because I was it. so pumped, I was so excited. And obviously the whole office were like pissing themselves, so funny. So, but it was still, and this obviously is not my interview, it's yours, so I don't wanna make this about me, but it was, uh, I guess for me, that was actually the, that was the entrepreneurial taste that I got. I won the client for this agency and I got a cut from it and I was remunerated, you know, accordingly and I was rewarded and then it was fine. Um, but I think that for me, that was where it worked. That was my almost taster. That was my like doing the MBA for real, being in a bit more of a salesy sort of role in an agency mm. was, was kind of that. But for you, you didn't have that huge rate. For you, it was more monotony or shit. <laughs> in the nine to five it was. And I think like, I really like what you said about getting that, you know, the taste of mm. of that life when you were still working. Because for me, it was all of these little little side hustles that I was doing. Yeah. But especially in like creating a brand and coming up with the name and then like, you know, designing it and then putting a website together and then like doing the photography and the art direction for the products, all this kind of thing. It was building it from nothing and forming mm. something, mm. which I guess is why Strange made such like a perfect first venture for me because that was what I did day in day out was take businesses that had nothing mm. and give them something very tangible to then send out into the world it's that creativity and mm -hmm. I think that we didn't get onto de definitions of success and failure and stuff but I would define entrepreneurship as much as it's glamorized and whatever but entrepreneurship definitely for you and I is freedom combined with that creativity yeah. to have an idea to build something from nothing, to put it out there, 
tweak, refine, and, and again, have the freedom and the autonomy while we're doing it. Yeah, exactly. So let's come back to... Yeah, what did you ask That me? last final question that I asked you half God, an hour ago. Was, <laughs> so the tragedies. So we usually, right, we usually yes. end the episode on the big tragedies, you know, the highs, the lows. So it was what's kind of a big fuck up, if you will, that's taught you a big lesson. So I think, so this, this is how we got distracted. This is how I remember now. <laughs> We're back on track. So we get there eventually. In all, yeah, exactly. We always come back on track. <laughs> in all of the things, like all of the mistakes, if you like, that I've made with, you know, get, doing the wrong thing or not having a happy client or going down the wrong route and having to 180 and try again. The only thing that I do wish that I could have done earlier is start working on my mind but mm. more importantly stop being such a bitch to myself because <laughs> I was like really really mean and like I always joke that I like my inner voice has a name I call him Colin oh do you yeah. oh that's great because I don't have a name for my one and I need I kind of actually I do but I definitely can't say it on camera can you not no. ah. well I, I actually have to apologize if anyone of your listeners is called Colin apologies to anyone called Colin sorry I to all the Colin. I don't know if I know anyone called Colin that's all right then that's crazy because I know I probably I have quite a good like network I know a lot of people anyway. don't know any Collins well even more apologies if I do know a Colin and I can't remember <laughs> you, you. Who they are. <laughs> no, no I don't think I do sorry again I'm distracted again sorry but just I love because I what book was it? We, I think we both read the book which is about like naming or it's a coaching thing anyway about like naming that voice yeah to help create that separation mm -hmm. and kind of make them into a character yeah so that it's like it's not you you can distinguish those voices why Colin it's actually it's a really silly story and oh, I think this will give a lot of insight into why I am the, the way that I am yeah <laughs> um, when I was a little kid I my dad was uh, tucking me into bed one night and I was convinced there was a monster in the room and my dad is a very whimsical character I get a lot I'm basically just small him and um like I said, like you, you can't leave. There's a monster in the room. And he was just like, all right, bear with. And he actually checked. He checked in the wardrobe. He checked under the bed. He checked behind the blinds. And he was just like, I've checked. There's no monsters. You're going to be fine. And I was like, nope, don't believe you. And he was like, all right, look, there is no monster. However, if he does come back, just imagine that he's called Colin because nothing called Colin could ever be scary. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, fuck yeah. <laughs> So when I came out, like when I discovered like this book, it was like name your inner voice. I was like, obviously Colin, oh, I and I like that. pictured him being like he basically looks like a little slug in a pink cowboy hat. <laughs> and like, <laughs> now you see why I called my business strange. But my um, so my fiance, oh, he uh, he's getting used to I can, that I can say it now. He um, he's so on board with this that I was saying something the other night. We were in Weatherspoons. We were having our dinner, and I was like saying something quite self-doubty, and he just said come here and he like whispered in my ear he was like Colin if you fucking dare be mean to my fiance again he picked up a packet of salt off the table and started shaking it in my ear like you you leave her alone now oh, I was like so all right cool, cool 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 so you know it's a system that works for everyone <laughs> Love that. so yes again I've completely lost track what was the question Steph? <laughs> oh my face this is the Alex the Alex cheek pain sorry about oh, that I love it 
you wish that you had done more work on your um, on I your wish mindset. I could have weeded out Colin earlier. Uh-huh. I would have gotten a lot further, a lot faster, but more so than that, I would have just enjoyed it so much Aww, more. It would have so been sweet. it would have been so much more of a roller coaster instead mm. of like, you know, a train off the edge of the cliff. Is it the is it the time traveller's wife? There's a film there's a book film about time travelling. And they teach at the end where they pass it down. I think it might be. They pass it down. And the advice is, in terms of, you know, going in the future or going back and stuff, is live... I can see by your face you've got no... I haven't seen it. I've no idea what you're talking about. Well, I'm sure the majority of the listeners won't know either. So (laughs) I'll fill you all in. The advice is just live the day, live the 24 hours as you normally would. And then go back and just do it all just exactly the same, like all over again. And the idea, and don't change anything. And the idea is exactly what you've just said, which is that time that you can go back and just relive it. You do it without all of that anxiety and worry and stress because like you made it, like you know how it's gonna turn out and you just get to enjoy the ride. Yeah. I love that. I like that. I love that. And I think that's a really lovely way to wrap up this episode, end on a high note. Alex, thank you so much for making our podcast dreams become a reality. We've gone from under the duvet in my bedroom. Yeah, which sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> take, <laughs> take that. Did how we actually will. get onto that story? Or have we just thrown in the fact that... I think we... we talked about that off camera, didn't we? But yeah. we'll leave it how there's the intrigue there for the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> thank you for living out the podcast dreams. A pleasure to have you, of course. Pleasure to be here. Thanks um, for having so me. So listen to Build Your Maverick. Build Your Maverick Business Podcast. Follow me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, if you like. And look forward to some sweary ramblings <laughs> with some business advice dotted in between. <laughs> Sounds like a good time for me. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and tune into the next episode. <laughs>